birth of a baby is a defining moment in a woman's life. But what about the birth of a mother? That's right, when a baby is born, so too is a mother. This transition from woman to mother has a name. It's called matrescence. This developmental stage is as powerful and irreversible as adolescence, and yet few women have ever heard of it. So let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Each episode, we will bring you honest and thought-provoking conversations, evidence-based research and knowledgeable guests in order to help you emerge a more powerful and aligned version of yourself. So join us, your hosts, Kelly and Bree, as we attempt to make sense of our matrescence journey and to help you make sense of yours. In today's episode, we are speaking to Brad and Tabitha Fennell. Now, I originally crossed paths with Brad at an event. It was a Kylie Camps event in 2018. So if you're not familiar with her, I am a big fan of her work. She's on Instagram at Kylie Camps, and she's also the host of a very successful podcast called The Fray. So I went to this event when I was 30, gosh, I must have been 36 weeks pregnant. My husband drove me the two-hour trip in case I went into labour. And um, Brad spoke about the topic of masculine and feminine energy. Now, back in 2018, I feel like that wasn't as mainstream as it is now. So it really resonated with me um, at a time where we were about to go through a real transformation in our relationship uh, that comes with becoming parents. So Brad and Tabitha are... At their core, they're acupuncturists. They run a very successful clinic in Burley on the Gold Coast. But they also do a lot of work with couples and individuals, helping them to reconnect with themselves and reconnect with their life. One of the reasons that I wanted to get them on the podcast is because I'm a big fan of their own podcast and they're just their relationship dynamic. They have a really beautiful energy between them. And I think that in this day and age, it's really rare and important to see long-term couples who are happy and thriving and that's something that I really felt I needed in those early days of parenting which were honestly really incredibly tough on our relationship. So what I'm hoping to get out of the conversation today is just some information about maintaining intimacy, reconnecting with myself and with my my partner and there is a statistic out of the Gottman Institute that says two-thirds of couples experience decline in marital satisfaction in the first three years after having a baby. So that's a pretty, pretty significant amount of people. Um, So on one hand, wanting to just like normalize that that is a common experience. And on the other hand, wanting to get some practical strategies and reassurance and guidance on how to navigate it as best as possible. What about you, Kel? Yeah. When I hear that statistics, the cynic in me says, are the other third lying because it's a strange thing that going into parenthood um, however you go into it you know it's going to be hard but that doesn't mean you feel any more equipped to deal with it so one of my questions is even when we know that everything will change and there'll be extra pressures on our relationship can you really do the work before or do you need to do the work while you're in it yeah absolutely and I think even just hearing that you know, maybe it can get better with time and that this is a season is so important because something that we will chat about today is the fact that there are kind of two sides to this relationship as as parents. You are you have the relationship as parents to your children, but also this intimate side to your relationship 
the people you were before having children and that you will hopefully be once they fly the nest. So really just wanting to understand how to nurture that relationship. Yeah, and also to balance those two things because there's certainly times uh, that I reflect on where I feel like I'm being better at being an intimate partner and better at being a a lover than I do at being a Mm co-parent. And then there are other times where that flips and you go through these um, blips of we're, we're getting stuff done, we're being present for our kids, we're making good decisions as a couple for the family, but something has to give. So making you know, clear almost delineation to say where are we at now and what's the best thing to invest in for this period of time. And sometimes that's days, sometimes Mm. it's weeks or months. Or years, yeah. I I actually truthfully feel like it took us the best part of three years to come out the other side after having Taj to get to a place where we were making time for each other and we were enjoying each other's company and there was that kind of excitement and energy between us. Um, And then we had another baby, so (laughs) we're on this path again. And part of it is saying, so even knowing all of that, why do we still do it? Mm. And I think also, you know, second time around, I have the hindsight of going, okay, this is just a season. So as opposed to panicking, you know, I got, we, we became parents before we had, we got married. So we were in the thick of parenting when we got married. And I often joke, but there's a lot of truth to it, that we loved each other when we got married, but we didn't actually like each other. <laughs> because it was such a tough time for us and we knew we were committed to each other we loved each other but it's a really incredibly hard season um so like with most of our podcasts this one is a little bit selfishly motivated we are really keen to hear what brad and tabitha have to say um and we're looking forward to sharing it with you it's so true and it's such a funny thing i was um angus was four months old when we got pregnant and just we'd moved home from overseas we had no jobs we would moving cities moving countries and then you get married and it's like smile for the photos and on the inside a part of you is just absolutely tied up in so many knots you don't know if you're Arthur or Martha but maybe that's a good thing in a sense because when you do make that public declaration which marriage is just a form of public declaration it's not the only way to do that it is the form that we chose you're actually asking yourself, even amongst all of this really hard stuff, do I still want to do it? Yeah. And the answer for me was, yeah, absolutely. But there is no doubt that what was going on around that season, if you look at the photos now, 13 years later, oh, wasn't it such a happy day? And everyone looks so... And you're thinking, yeah, I was. I was really happy. But wow, I was under intense, intense pressure. Yeah, and I think that, you know, for me, actually, when we got married, looking to you and Aunt was really important for me because it felt like everywhere I looked, people were either getting divorced or unhappily married. And that's the reality. We know the statistics around that. But when you're trying to enter into marriage and make that commitment, honestly, I felt really, really sad about it. Mm -hmm. And to find a couple of people in my life who I felt, you know, no relationship is perfect, but who were doing pretty good and quite a way down the track was so important to me. And that's something that is really beautiful about Brad and Tabitha. I think you'll hear that it's really clear that they have really lovely, wholesome relationships. I'm excited to share that. Oh, absolutely. And me too, because I do feel, and we're we're approaching our 15th year together, and I do feel it's getting better Mm. all the time, our relationship. Our, our our partnership and our future together but that doesn't 
mean that that has happened naturally and just unfolded. It, it takes work. Yeah. And so I also want to find out. Like, and also I want more. Like I maybe I'm selfish, but I think it's we're greedy. Good. <laughs> it's good. Don't get me wrong. It's a great relationship. But, yeah, yeah. I do. I want, like, how do we step it up? How yes. do we keep doing more and better? My my husband said this the other day. He's like, I feel like you're, like, living with your head in the clouds because I'm like, this can be better. We can do more. We can, like, wake up and want to, like, pounce on each other. And he's like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this brings us right back to why did we start the Matrescence podcast? Because we were dis- dared to be discontent. Yes, and we want to hold that space for other people to go, you know, it's going okay, but it can be so much better. Let's acquire the tools and get the support to get there. Yeah. Wow. Well, it's going to be lots of interesting chat today. Yeah, let's dive in. Brad and Tabitha, welcome to the Matrescence podcast. Mm. Tell us about yourself. Mm, thank you so much for having us. It's exciting to be here. Totally. Um, I guess, where do we start? We've been together yeah. 25, we were talking about this before, yeah, 25, 25 years. years, been married for 20 years. Yeah. Uh, we work with couples and individuals, yeah. um, we do relationship work, and yeah. we have a podcast called Turn On The Podcast, yes. where we discuss... I don't all know. things, how all to, things, how to turn on parenting, career, lifestyle, mm. um, your love life, mm. all of it. Yeah, all and of it. we've got three boys, so yep. who are now 19, 17, and, and 10. Yep. So we're actually in the thick of it. We're in there doing it in all those different stages, yep. and we love. We've spent many, many years studying and working with people, and yeah. We love and to bring everything we've got. Working on ourselves. Yeah. That's been the biggest, the method, the biggest um, transformation in our relationship has been having support around who we are as parents and individuals and lovers and, and mm. yeah, that's what we want to share today. Yeah, and I just want to say with that as well, I think really creating an environment where relationships can be the place where you grow. Mm one of the greatest places where you grow and creating an environment where you are allowed to flourish as an individual but also as a couple. So totally. we'll jump into all of that. It's yeah. exciting. Mm-hmm. We're so excited. And I am really curious, actually, if you can tell us a little bit about how you got got into working in the relationship space. Because I know at, at your core you are acupuncturist, you're running a really thriving clinic in that department, but you're also doing a lot of speaking in the podcast. So where did that grow from? Well, originally we both got into to acupuncture because yep. of the the state, the experience that it really created. But acupuncture is really based in Taoism, which says, how do we follow? This is the core. How do we follow nature, but more so our own nature? And traditionally the acupuncturist was, is the person that puts needles in, but it's so much more than that. Would give health advice, would give yeah. re- relationship advice, mm-hmm. would give lifestyle advice. How do we follow our nature? How do we follow our own dreaming? Mm-hmm. And that really led us to studying other modalities, particularly in the psychological area where we really went into process orientated psychology because that was also based in Taoism and Jungian Mm. psychology Mm. in um, the dream time in all these kind of components and then that came to us and we evolved that and 
during this time, we've always been working on our own relationship and developing that. So that became a real specialized area. And then from there, we kind of, we went into Tantra for a while and really studied Tantric ideas because what do the ancients uh, have to say about that? Taoism has a lot to say about uh, the the kind of Chinese medicine has a lot to say about relationships and lifestyle, but then the Indian philosophies of mm. of Tantra. Mm. So that led us down this road and um, something we're always passionate about. We would spend yeah. a lot of time in the clinic talking to people and then we yeah. realised this is a really important part. The mm. needles are important, mm. but there's a lot more to this and that's what we really developed. Yeah, totally. And I think we used the, those tools that we learn along the way on ourselves and got such great results and got us out of some sticky predicaments um, that's kept us going, you know, 20-something years later. So it was like, right, this is, you know, people, couples out there need this work. It's mm-hmm. a different sort of work. It's, um, you know, you're working on yourself, your inner work so important, but also working on your couple. It's like when you get married, you should just be allocated a really great person to support you to work together and also mm-hmm to mm. bring more joy and love and richness into your relationship. Mm. So you can discover, like, we want to know what, is the, what does love want from you? What does your relationship want from you? What is it actually calling from you? And so we really, part of our training was always 90% of it is your own inner work. Yeah. Do your own inner work. And then 10% yeah. is techniques and styles and models that we use. Yes. But when you do your own inner work, you can sit in the fire, you can be with somebody and you can help them over their own edges. So it's a really yeah. interesting part of the studies that we've done. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, prior to jumping on, I was chatting to Kel and she asked me how I how I encountered you and how I came to follow you and know about you. And I mentioned that it was at the Kylie Camps event in 2018. Um, and you were speaking about masculine and feminine energy and it wasn't as mainstream back then. So it was the first time I'd kind of come across it. And I was 36 weeks pregnant. I was about to go through this transformative experience. So I was really trying to seek knowledge on how that would affect my relationship and to almost bolster myself for that experience. But something that occurred to me was that all this time that your relationship without knowing a lot about you, only what I see on social media and through your podcast, it's almost been like a a, a beacon of hope for me because I started to feel like at some point that everywhere I looked, marriages were falling apart and those that were still together were deeply unhappy. And as a young married couple ourselves, I started to feel really really, you know, sad about that and really worried about what it meant for us. Like, was this even possible to be in a long-term, happy, healthy, thriving marriage? So to hear, you know, Kel has been, you know, is that as well. And to see a couple of people in my life or even on social media going, yes, it totally can be, is so important. And, and yeah, has been really great for me to see personally. Yeah. I love hearing that. So cool. And one of the things that we really teach is your relationship can actually get better. Mm. And so often we, you know, we hear about this honeymoon phase where they were the best times. Now, they are the best times if you don't grow, if you don't really explore. You fall in love with yourself. 
That other person brings something out inside of you Mm. that makes you feel a certain way. So they have confidence. And when you're around them, I feel confident. Mm. But at a certain point, you have to start picking that up in your own relationship. Otherwise, you drain the relationship. If you keep going back to the relationship and saying, that's what I get from here, that's what I need, it eventually depletes it. Mm. And what you have to do is you have to actually understand that and start finding more of that and then bringing it back to the relationship and allows the relationship to grow and be developed and to really strengthen. And as you start to understand the process of your own life and relationship, it grows. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. And what's always really interesting to me, um, knowing that where we're at now at coming up to 15 years together and 13 years of marriage is when people meet us now, there's this assumption like, oh, you guys are so great. You're so lucky. And Mm. you think "Mm, we've worked really hard over a really long time to evolve ourselves and our relationship, but you can't capture that. So I think the more we talk about that need to do the work and that being in the boat, the better people will understand that, you know, there is no that we we get bought up with children's storybooks and they lived happily ever after. Well, (laughs) they did, but they didn't just pull up Sunland just by the pool and drink champagne. They actually worked at it. They were on this, it's, it's this epic journey that you're doing together. And so actually bringing some of that into our conversations, I think is really important, but also that notion that, people do sometimes go into it with rose-coloured glasses of, oh, after the wedding and I will live happily ever after. And there's a little bit of how do we bring in some of that conversation about the intensity of st- of the seasons of life but still with hope. Mm. Mm. And something that I really like is this concept that we're actually dreaming together. We use the concept of dreaming, not just your nighttime dreams. Yes, mm. that, mm. but also the subtle signals and feelings that are going on in a relationship and really getting behind and understanding these signals, the dreaming, your own dreaming. So you're dreaming. So sometimes you're, you're, let's face it, you're pissed off with your partner. This is a heroic journey. Mm -hmm. And sometimes when you're pissed off, who is that for? Sometimes, yes, it's for you. I'm angry. I'm frustrated. But sometimes that's actually for your partner. It's like that's something that they need to hear. So there is this kind of dance that's always going on that you've made a contract together Mm. to dream together, to Mm. unfold together. And it's true. You will live happily ever after for about 12 months. And then then you have to do the work and your stuff is going to come up. And that's when the real work. It's why commitment Mm. is so important because then you can do the real work. If you don't, you go, ah, you're not everything I wanted. I'm mm. out of here. I'm going to go find mm. the next person. And then yes. you go find that. And, and actually Same in saying that, mm. sometimes it is right to relieve, leave a relationship. Yeah, of course. Um, but often just if you keep going looking for that same thing, you'll never find it. If you really commit and drop into a relationship, there's gold and there's magic there. Again, as long as that person is right for you and, you know, you're developing. We're talk- not talking about abusive relationships. Absolutely leave. Yeah, of course. Mm. So I think that's a great place to start. How do you know if someone is right for you? Even if you are already married, already with kids, I think a lot of people would still be going, yeah, are we compatible? And when things come up, you might suddenly think, maybe we're not meant for each other. Maybe, you know, it, it was just the honeymoon phase. How do you know if you're meant for each other? Or does that even really matter? Is it just a choosing each other? So 
It's complex. Now, it's the first complex. thing is, was there love at the start? Mm. So often there is. There's this love and desire at the start. Yeah, an attraction. Attraction. Mm. Generally, if that was there, often you're right for each other. Yeah. And we lose that because we lose the power of we don't have those feelings anymore. Mm. But you can have those feelings if you do the work. Now, the way we look at it, and we've created an online program called Understanding What Love Wants. Mm. And the concept of that is what is your myth together? What does love want from you outside mm. of you two? There's a force that somehow brought you together. Mm. Why? What was it trying to do? And we don't yeah. do that sometimes, step outside of our own relationship and go, what is actually being called for us to do here? Now, sometimes you do live your myth out. It's like we're done. We're at this point yeah. where we got what we needed and it is time to go. Mm. But generally, mm. people don't do that work. Mm. They get stuck. Yeah. And Often we are meant for each other. We are meant to reconnect to our desire and we can connect to it mm. more than we ever have. Yeah. Yeah, I think understanding your myth in relationship, it's something that we have learned through process work mm. and it really empowers the couple to go, oh, yeah, when we first met, this is what brought us together. And understanding that and going deeper into that can rejuvenate your relationship like years later so um one of the things that we do is how did you first meet yeah what was going on in your life mm. it tells you a little bit about the myth even sometimes when people go well i just met in a you know i met in an affair okay mm. that may actually be a love story i went against society i went against what actually everyone said and it was a love affair and our story mm -hmm. is about mm -hmm. stepping up against that not always yeah. but sometimes so you get to understand that mm -hmm. you know for us we met at larue yeah. in the center of australia and we met in a place that was full of travelers and adventure and mm -hmm. and spiritual tradition a tradition of the dream time and then that's come more and more through our life the more yeah. we connect with that and wildness and wildness we get to experience <laughs> we're growing into that and you yes. will feel in a yes. relationship you'll come up against yeah. the opposite of what you're here to do the same in your life you will feel caged yeah. when you're a child you'll feel free and then society will come along and it'll tell you how to behave how mm. to be a good girl and boy mm. That's not a bad thing. That's okay. But at some point, we all feel this, this need to really find out who we're here to be. And if we don't pick this up, it comes into us really hard in midlife. Yeah. Um, when death comes for us a little bit more and we ask ourselves, what am I really here to do? Who am I really here to be? Before I leave this planet, what is it I really have to do and be? And mm. so that starts to call more strongly to you and that'll call in your relationship. If you're not doing your relationship, that's why we see problems at midlife. Okay. It doesn't mean men should run off with a younger woman and buy a Ferrari. But, <laughs> or the other way around. Yes, exactly, <laughs> or the other way around. But in a sense, the midlife is saying, Get something new in your life. Get more excitement in your life. Live more of your own dreaming, the experience that is coming up inside of you that you need more of. Yeah. And then mm. maybe 
bring more of that to your relationship may be more advantageous to you. Totally. I mean, and it's always changing. If we think, you know, we look back at us 25 years ago and I'm totally a tiny wisp of that person and so are you. And in relationship, we're totally different people back then, but we've grown. So relationship is all about change. It's all about communication. It's all about letting go of who we used to be as a couple. As, you know, before you get uh, children, it's a totally different relationship and then you've got to weave having children in and then you've got to weave career and and growth and then they leave home so relationship is always about change and I think if people can grasp that and understand that and also be okay with change that it can be exciting and bring in so many more dynamics and and juice and love and and fun like at one point when we introduced tantra we were having troubles not troubles but my libido was lower than brad's and it was like okay how do we actually bring back that lover's spark that you know 15 years ago was Mm. there and so tantra helped us with that and we connected to that those wild people back at airs rock that fell in love and had great sex and and you know, so it's it's revisiting who you were, but it's also moving forward. Mm. And there's there's a, there's a couple of things to that. There's a great exercise that you can actually do with that. When there's a difficulty in your relationship, you can ask if there if there's a difficulty in your relationship, what was the character or person that would be creating that? So it suddenly comes outside of you too. So as an example, when I've worked on this in the past, and Tabitha's libido hasn't been as high as mine. It's like, who is this character that's, that's you know, creating this frustration in me? Mm. And suddenly I noticed this powerful woman, tattoos, and it's, it's just an interesting figure that comes up as a dreaming and she's strong and she's powerful and she's like a goddess and says, if you don't meet me, I'll rip your head off <laughs> and, and meet me. And if I get caught in poor me, I don't get enough sex. I don't get enough sex. Doesn't love me. It's like this feeling that doesn't work. It doesn't like, oh, I feel, you know, maybe one day she feels sorry for me because she feels like, oh, this is pathetic. Now, this is everyone is different. Yeah. But this is how you can connect to the dreaming. And then who do I have to meet to be that to meet that woman? Oh, I have to meet the God in me and I have to bring this to my relationship. How interesting. The Mm -hmm. obstacle is the way. The obstacle leads me not just to who I have to be kind of sexually in a relationship, mm. but in every area of my life. So I can step up into this, where do I need more of this energy? Where could this be of value mm. to me in my life? Mm. So it's suddenly, and as I pick more of that up, my life becomes stronger. And foreplay, we always say, isn't five minutes before sex? <laughs> foreplay is everything that you do. Yeah. As I step into my power, you feel that and it makes you melt a little bit more. Yeah, it's more attractive, it's more sexy, it's more like, okay, I want a bit of that. <laughs> so some of the things you're talking about here are, are, I always use the analogy and say, look, we're trying to grow in approximately the same direction at approximately the same rate and stay together. But sometimes we get feedback around, well, I want to grow my partner and I might not want to. I'm curious about how you might invite your partner to come on the journey because many of the things that we're talking about are repressed or taboo subjects. And, you know, to to go back to some of your Eastern traditions, probably blocked energy. Um, so 
you know, there is this dance, but you're also going on a journey with someone else. So tell us about opening up that opportunity because sometimes people get stuck in a cycle and they have to choose to step out of that. We can't kick them out or push them out, yeah. but we can invite them, I guess. And and at times people will decide to go on that journey alone without someone else if they can't keep up at the rate at which they're growing. Yeah. Well, I think yeah. <laughs> for Brad and I, it's always been that, when I start to grow, Bradley will automatically go, yeah, I want to come too. Mm. So we've been lucky that way. That, But I think for all couples, it's just like if you want the growth, if you want to change, then start doing the growth. Go to the, a practitioner to help you, read the books, do what you need to do to grow. And if they, they will automatically want to follow because you're going to be more of who you are, you'll be more sexy, you'll be more full of life, mm-hmm. um, and they will see that. And, you know, it might be a bit of a tussle because I know in myself that when Brad starts to grow, I go, oh, my God, I'm getting left behind. Oh, no, he's not going to love me or, you know, something will pop into my head. But then I go, no, oh, my God, look at him, he's changing. I want that too. Mm-hmm. So for us it's it's worked really well because when one grows, the other one's always right behind going, yep, I'm coming up. Mm. Um, If that's not the case and, you know, your partner doesn't want to grow with you, all you can do is keep growing and that'll either break the relationship up or they'll come along. And you've got to remember, they fell in love with you. Yeah. As well, you made a dreaming contract. So your contract is, in a sense, to grow. If that's coming through you, it's like there's what can what else can you do they mm. fell in love they saw this part of you there's a part of them that said here's a woman or a man who's going to live this life yeah. we subconsciously know this and mm. so you have to live out your own personal myth and then you ask yourself you start to grow and you look at someone and you go is this somebody who's going to grow women particularly have a tendency to see the potential in mm. men it's a gift. It's an amazing gift where you go, I see you. I see who you really are. It's so beautiful. But often people don't step up, men and women. They don't yeah. step up and do what it is they really need to do. So yeah. you have to then look. This is what we call high and lower dream work. Is this a high dream? High dream is I see the potential in you. I see who you can be. The lower dream is actually you're never going to change. And when you see someone who's never going to change for who they are, then you can make a choice. You might go, he or she's never going to change. Okay, I'm okay with that. Yeah, I I'm going to grow. That's I'm going to live. Mm. They're going to do their own thing. It or, works for us. Yeah. Mm. Or you may say, if this is like this in five years' time, yeah. I'm out of here. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I picked up from that conversation as well is we're really getting to the juicy bit of what is the relationship to our sexuality and our sense of self and our identity and our ability to have other complex relationships. Because when we talk about marriage, we often skirt around sexuality. We skirt around sex in general because it's not something you sit down at a family barbecue and go, hey, you know, I haven't really been feeling it later and that's impacting my ability to show up as a great employee friend as well because Mm -hmm. I'm out of touch. So tell me about your thoughts around the role that our individual sexuality plays in our ability to connect in multiple different types of relationships, not just our love life or our lover. Mm. Well, part of, firstly, you actually don't have to. I just want to take that off the table. 
you don't have to have a great sex life in relationship. Mm. I, for me personally, it's connected to my myth. It's important for me, mm. but you don't have to. Some people have a really amazing uh, companionship yeah, yeah. in life. And okay? still intimate. So just and, saying, mm. if that's, it's like you don't have to force something that isn't. Mm. But in saying that, a lot of people are struggling with this. And so connecting firstly with your own sexuality. Mm. Can you be mm. a, a, a great lover to yourself? Mm. Can you find and build passion in yourself? If you want more passion in your relationship, then firstly find more passion inside yourself. Mm. And then you bring that to the world. Make love to the world. Mm. Doesn't mean you run around having affairs. It mm. means you find ways to really you know, connect. What is sex? This is a great question for everyone to start with. Yeah. What is sex for you? What do you want out of it? I mean, sex has so much to offer. Yeah. So often it allows us to connect to yeah. a wild part of ourselves, a part of ourselves that we don't and often shouldn't show to the world. Mm. Yes, of course, we should sometimes, but we don't want to turn up, you know, at our office going, ah, look at me, I'm going to rip you all apart. And you're, but sometimes we need access to that part of ourselves. Mm -hmm. And then where can we take that into the world? So sex can give us that. Or maybe it's just I want deep intimacy or I want to feel like I'm connecting to God or I just want to connect to pleasure and have a really good time or mm. I just want to mm. escape for a while, like having a nice glass of wine. Mm. Come and take me and, yeah. you know, whatever it is for you. So the beginning is what what do you actually genuinely want from sex? Mm. What's there for you? Yeah. What's the I connection? I think that's such an important mindset shift from sex in the bed at the end of the night for 20 minutes to this is a whole life thing. It's happening, you know, in those little moments throughout the day. And this yeah. is something I chatted to Kel about a little while, about, while back after having one child of going, how do I make the transition? I am parenting with my partner all day and it's not sexy and then it's like okay jump in the bed rip your clothes off and let's go and something that really clicked for me was that concept of what you said before is it's it's through the whole day it's in the moments that's when foreplay takes place and something that I realized as a new parent was that pleasure as a concept had just evaporated from my life not just in terms of sex but there was almost nothing in my life that was connected to play or pleasure and how just bringing those things back into your own life can then trickle down into your relationship and into your sex life instead of trying to start with repairing sex does that make sense is that what you're saying totally. usually yes. and there's men tend to be like a flamethrower you you hit the light on and it's like they're ready to go yeah. Women have a tendency, not always, not everyone, no. but have a tendency to be a little more of a, a slow cooker. Yeah. Meaning your libido can build to incredible to an incredible place, mm. but sometimes it's not as quickly as on as yeah. a man. Yeah. And so really honoring that. And that's where, you know, being turned on through the day, a little bit of like, oh, yeah. he did that for me. Oh, he yeah. bought me some flowers. Yeah. Oh, and it's just brings it up 
a little bit at a time. Yeah. And you can also do that. I do a beautiful practice that I learned many years ago from Michaela Boheme, um, and she's a tantric lady. And it's throughout the day the same thing, but you can do it for yourself. You don't have to worry about your partner. And it's it's how does your simple life turn you on? So you wake up in the morning and you feel the sheets, you know, linen sheets or clean sheets on your body. How does that feel? Take that into your heart. Take it into your, down into your downtown, which is your, your core kidney yang energy, which is your passion. It's, it's where your love and sex is. And then, you know, you walk into the kitchen and the coffee's brewing, you know, take that in, the sun's shining. What things catch your attention that we tend to sort of just brush away but absorb it in just take those couple of seconds to just go oh look at the sun filtering down through those beautiful green leaves breathe it in oh my god I'm putting it into my bank I'm putting it into my sexuality into my sex center to bring out later on but if you do that throughout the whole of the day even when you're hanging out with the kids washing washing up or doing dirty nappies or whatever you can Bring in that energy to really build that beautiful sexual energy and your fire, which when at the end of the day, like Bree just said, you jump into the sack, it's like, okay, I've got some energy there to to use because throughout the day I've been bringing in this beautiful energy. Mm, you've been stoking the kidneys. Stoking uh, yeah. Ah, a mm. few more twigs, mm. slowly putting more. And it makes you feel great all day long. You're having these like mini orgasms as you're hanging out the washing, you know. If you build that fire enough, oh, my God, you can have an orgasm standing there, a whole body orgasm, mm. you know, and let alone getting into intimacy with your partner. Mm. I was just thinking even about that idea of really just at a simple level filling your own cup. And I think particularly yeah. when you're in a season of that earlier and for some of our um, audience, a lot of times this these feelings of emptiness come up, not just in that early postpartum in the first weeks when often partners are together and working together, but then when the others had to go back to work, which is a reality for most couples, and they, because they're not filling their cup in the tiniest of ways all day, because we're prioritizing all these other people in our lives, and then the partner walks in the door, which most often is obviously the male in those early postpartum because babies want to be with the mother, yes. and then we we naturally are going, I feel empty, can you fill it? And then it's not being filled in the way we want. So I love this idea of actually looking at it just as a as a pure energy flow and being able to top up that energy consistently. Yeah. And that reminded me of something I heard on your podcast, actually. You were talking about the concept of men need to feel, no, sex makes men feel full, but women need to be empty to be ready for sex. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Because it so resonated with me when I heard that. Yeah. When you're, as a woman, you need to feel empty. Men, if there's stress around you, you feel full of stress. And it's like, I don't feel sexual. I feel, and when you have new children, mm. when you have babies, you feel consumed by them. You you feel full. Yeah. And often men, when they feel full, they feel full of stress. They want to have sex because they want to feel empty. Yeah. It's like, ah, now I feel better. Yeah. But as a woman, yeah, the opposite. you need to feel empty, empty of responsibility so mm. you can finally let go. Mm. A woman's heart is connected by a channel to her uterus and her uterus is opened by the heart. Mm -hmm. And so when she can just let go 
of everything and open her up her heart, it opens up the uterus. It mm. opens, allows her to surrender. Mm. So it's really important. It's why yeah. often women don't want to have sex if there's dirty socks around and the dishes are there and it's like, it's well, I've got to clean the house. And the, and the guy's like, where? Yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> Kel and I are like nodding over yeah, here. Yeah. 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 Completely. Because <laughs> as a woman, you feel as one with the environment and the environment needs to feel like you. It needs to feel clean and pure and empty like there's nothing to do Mm -mm. and so then you can surrender but it's tricky because as a woman often when you're full of stress and worry you won't feel like sex no and as a man you will and so it creates this kind of conflict at times yeah it's a tussle isn't it Mm. yeah and it can almost just feel like another thing on your to-do list you know like i need to check that box it's important for my relationship tick and then Mm -hmm. it just becomes a chore and for a lot of people as soon as you are told you have to do something it's like well no i don't want to do it then you know there's almost this rebellion against it yeah exactly right and hunting that's you know really important for men to keep hunting you meaning Mm. when you were like first courting he would hunt your signals he would notice you oh this made her happy oh this got her a little bit and we forget and we take each other for granted we spend too much time we say explaining yourself away so there's no mystery to you Mm. we need to create we are mysterious Mm. there's mysterious parts of us and we need access to that so we bring newness to the relationship yeah and as a man you can keep hunting those moments where you're trying to melt her heart yeah and keep doing that but and i also think it's important to not to you know for we change all the time. So what is it that melts your heart? Let them know. You know, when you walk in the door at night, can you take the kids and I'm going to go have a bath so I can sink in and let go or I need to go and walk the dog. It's like, but I also love flowers or I love when you, you know, touch me or when you give me compliments. It's like give them some keys to play with. It's not like you're demanding or you're wanting exactly that. But sometimes it's hard for your partner to sort of go, okay, what is going to melt her? It's a changing state. So communication, having an open conversation around, you know, what turns you on, what will make me happy, what will make me want to be in bed with you at night and ravish you. It's like get that communication, make it fun. It doesn't like that whole chore thing, I've been there, but it doesn't have to be like that. Mm. You know, you can change that way of thinking by just simple things. Us women are so flexible. We so manage so many different buckets of different things and we can manage being a sexual being. But the important thing is to have some time, time to really nurture that part of you, to to unfill that bucket that's always full. Then, you know, jumping into bed makes it so much easier. And I think with that, as a woman, noticing, as well when he does something how it actually makes you and even with your feedback like really notice if it was stroking your neck and like really no that's like really noticing that and how would I express that if I gave myself just a moment to fully experiencing that rather than just going okay I got the dishes to do and I got a race and I got which is true yeah but like in a sense, giving that feedback. So yeah. you're getting more, you're connecting to that experience in yourself and he's starting to read more of that inside of you. Yeah. See that and know that. Mm, love it. Mm. So how do you make that transition each day from, okay, we're parenting to we're going into sex? Because 
the to-do list is never ending, right? So no one's ever going to get to that point where they go, okay, everything's done now, I can relax and ease into it. Is it just a conscious decision to let go or how does that work in, in reality? It's a tricky one. And I think um, we used to have sex nights, <laughs> dates, sex dates. And so it kind of primed us up that, you know, once a week we were going to get the kids to bed and we were going to just have some fun in whatever way we wanted to together. So that kind of alleviated that, oh, it's not going to happen every night, you know, and then we moved it into the second or third night. But we found time to be able to go to bed and not have to actually have sex. That was great for me because I could go, right, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, it's my nights off, but then Friday night or Saturday, yeah, well, if if we were both feeling it, we would move in and have a great time in bed. So I think transition is, is you've got to work that out between your couple, but it, it, you need to have a conversation around it and get your special time for yourselves because mm. it really, if it, if it doesn't get in the diary, it doesn't usually happen, especially in those early days. And I know it sounds a little bit, oh, God, putting sex in a diary, but actually it can be quite fun and you can flirt and you can tease each other along the way that, no, 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 not tonight, but Thursday night, we go. So it kind of builds that sexual energy up and um, it's just a, a juicy way to, to connect with each other and play. Mm. And creating a space like as a man where you go, I've got everything, I've got you, yes. surrender, let go in this moment, everything is held. So creating a structure sometimes where the kids are put into bed. Yeah, where, where he runs you a bath. Yes, <laughs> where you're held. The reason we recommend baths is it's such an amazing feminine form where you get to be held in a different state. Mm. Part of what we do as acupuncturists is it's all about the state. It's like we have you for this moment and we'll drop you, we'll allow you yeah. to drop into your deepest nature, yeah. which isn't mother, which no. isn't even wife or husband. Do mm. You get to drop out into that state. So creating structures where you're held, where you feel safe to let go yeah. and being really honest with yourself, can I let go? Mm. What am I holding on to? What do I need so I can actually surrender into this moment? Yeah. Mm. One of the things that comes up regularly since we're talking about holding on to things, resentment. <clears throat> <laughs> the ultimate holding on to things. Um, yeah, we put the question out on Instagram, who feels like resentment increased within their relationship when you became parents? And it was something like 92 to 98% of people were like, yes, I'd never even experienced this prior to becoming parents. And now he does the littlest thing and I and I just resent him. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's, yeah. a, that's a big signal that the woman or the partner is not getting enough time for themselves. Mm -hmm. And I think women are so good at doing everything and we do it so amazingly that sometimes the man can just take the back seat and go, oh, well, she's got that. That's her job. I'm off to work. She's doing all the sort of mundane-y, house looking after the kids um, things. So it's, mm. yeah. Yeah. And resentment has a factor. Yeah, we so think it builds resentment. Sorry, I just totally <laughs> 
Where was I going? What was that word? Resentment. (laughs) So, of course, that's going to build resentment because you need time for yourself. And and I think that's one big thing that I learned was putting myself up the top. And where I needed help, I told Brad and we worked out how to get that. If you're going to sit back sometimes and your partner won't pick up on the help you need because you're doing everything and then when they don't start chipping in, that's when the resentment can can rise up as well and resentment is usually a bigger signal it's a small Mm. thing but there's Mm. a bigger signal behind that and Mm. when we go i can't get over what happened in the past Mm. means it's still happening Mm. in a small way we bring it into the present how is that still happening and it's it's like again this concept of we're dreaming together part of what's happening to you the resentment when it's unfolded Maybe something that you're trying to share with him, that you're trying to let him know. And one of the things that we do is we go into moods and then we create, it sounds weird, but different creatures in a sense. Like if I spoke <laughs> to him, it's like, oh, I'm angry. I did this work the other day. Mm. It was around frustration again. It wasn't towards you, but it was like, I was like, if I got really frustrated, how would I be? And I was like, and I suddenly noticed I turned green. <laughs> and I was becoming was the, the incredible Hulk. Hulk. Mm, mm. And I was like, oh. Oh, what is this? This is interesting. I didn't think I had the Incredible Hulk in me. Mm. And then when I explored it, it was like, oh, what's the Hulk about? So Dr. Banner doesn't share how he really feels, just goes along in life going, oh, it's okay, it's going, all right, it. until he erupts in anger. But underneath that, it's not that, oh, I should be more angry and scream at people all the time and rip cars apart. Actually, no. 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 It's this feeling of I need more creativity in my life. I need to be able to express myself. Mm-hmm. When I really explore and go into that, oh, mm-hmm. how interesting for me. The key essence of this is I need to be able to express myself. Mm. And so we find these parts of ourselves that we push away, what we say marginalize. I don't want to be a nagging woman. And so I'm just going to ignore that. I'm just going to push that away. He'll pick it up in a minute. He'll pick it up. Mm. But actually he may not. You're dreaming together. You're waking him up as well. Yes. And so finding this part, when I'm working with people, sometimes it's like you need to get a little pissed off. It's Mm. like, tell him how you really feel. And then we can – and noticing what is it you are really feeling. Mm -hmm. And if you go right to the essence, sometimes it's like, I need more support. Mm. I'm not coping. I know mm. I look like an incredibly powerful, strong woman, which mm. I am, mm. but sometimes I'm not. Sometimes I want to be held like all yeah. of us. And do nothing for and, half an hour. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm tired over here and it's exhausting me and I need some. T- I need you to yeah. pick up for me a little mm. more. Mm. So, yeah, resentment, jump on it quick. Feel that mood of resentment and go, why am I feeling resentful? Like Brad said, find the character. Who is that character? What is it? Who is it for? Is it for yourself? Is it for, you know, it could be society that you think you have to be this certain way as mm. as a woman, as a as a mother, or maybe it is your partner. So yeah, that's mm. it. That silly example of the Hulk is actually, in a sense, up against society as well, where society says behave and be like this, and this this part says, actually, I want to express myself, mm. even if society doesn't like it. I want to step up against it. Yeah. So sometimes, sometimes when we're working in relationships, sometimes there's a relationship difficulty going on. Yeah. Sometimes you're just up against the whole of society, and yeah. you need to unfold that and understand or, that. Mm. So yeah. 
pick up and notice resentment early yeah so it doesn't get bigger because the greatest gift that we have is that signals amplify you don't have to worry you miss something like he pissed you <laughs> off she pissed you off the other day yeah it'll and be, you didn't say what you needed to say bigger in that and bolder until you really take notice yeah, yeah. Mm. and then yeah. you're throwing pillows across the room <laughs> there's so much there because we talk about it a lot on our page and on this podcast how motherhood has almost become synonymous with martyrdom that mothers should be martyrs they should do it all without needing help or having to lean on anyone and that's just not a place where you feel sexy is it you know when you just feel like you're giving 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 and I think it's such a such a beautiful reminder that we need to kind of like let go of that and take the cape off to be ready to like invite intimacy back into our life now something we have danced around is the concepts of masculine and feminine energy and i'd love if you could talk to us about that what it means what it looks like and also how parenthood might change how you how you show up and present almost Mm. i mean masculine and feminine energy is an energy that is within all of us all the classic texts talk about this it's yeah, not it's a like dance, it's a you're uh, you're yeah. you're feminine and i'm masculine yeah sometimes mm-hmm. but it's this dance of what we need the masculine energy in a sense is consciousness is the one that holds the space the feminine energy is life itself. It's mm. the feeling and the expression yeah. and the feelings. Mm. Women have a tendency because of hormones to live closer to their heart, meaning they feel emotions. We know this. I work with men and they're like, what are you feeling? And they're like, what are you talking about? Yeah. It's <laughs> not always. Some men are very connected. Yeah, ask a woman that and they'll be usually be able to go, well, I'm feeling this. Blah, and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> yeah, we're two totally different things. Yeah, the feminine energy wants to experience life itself. Mm. The masculine energy is the monk. And the modern monk sits on the couch with a beer and watches sport and experiences nothingness. Yeah, complete scrolling through their phone. The masculine energy likes sport because there's an opportunity to finally experience freedom. Mm. The feminine energy wants to experience life itself, wants to experience love because that is Mm. life itself. Mm. And so it becomes this dance between these two. And when the masculine energy is sexually Mm. can hold the feminine energy to dance, Mm. to play, Mm. and the masculine energy can be completely present in that state. And allow that experience. And men, a lot of men don't realize this, but there's nothing greater for a man than when a woman shows her goddess Mm. to him, Mm. shows all of her nature, her full expression of life. Mm. That, I believe, is what men truly want. They don't realize that, and they need to realize that. But they're called to this masculine energy, this energy of freedom. Yeah. You got anything to say about that? <laughs> no, I like it. I'm getting caught up in your yeah, <laughs> <Yes>. and... <laughs> yeah. So correct me if I'm wrong, but I almost feel as though parenting really pushed me into a kind of masculine state where I had to like do this, do that, delegate this, make sure this gets done. And for a long time, I felt like maybe okay, I'm a masculine energy kind of thing but then I was like actually no I think I'm playing this role but at my core 
I am very feminine. So can you can the roles you play be different to who you are at your core? And does that ebb and flow in different seasons? We have to have both inside of ourselves. Yeah. And, and then, yeah, yeah, and parenting is very masculine. Yeah. I know it's seen as feminine, but the actual task, anything that is task driven is very masculine. We're gonna go like in work. We're going to go kill the buffalo. We're going to make a killing. Yeah. We're going to direct. We're Delegation. going to do this. Delegation. Mm-hmm. And that's why when you're when you're in the role of parent, it's why you want to be able to crave more of that feminine state. Yeah, it's really important to get that balance and pick it up within yourself. Mm. So, you know, having fun, wearing dresses, and you can do this with the kids. It's like <laughs> you are the taskmaster, you are the yang, but women are so good at changing mood anyway. So one minute you can go, okay, kids, grab your stuff, we're off. Next minute we're playing and we're laughing and we're rolling around in the playground or whatever we're doing. So I think it's important for women to not forget that feminine, to actually wear a dress or do their hair or, you know, have time where they're creative in that feminine play. Imagine you've had the kids all day and he walks in and says, give me our children. (laughs) Uh, I want a bath for you. You to lock the door so no one can access. This is just space for you. Mm -hmm. And you laugh because you're like, yes. Everyone's ready. (laughs) Yes, that's right. I'm taking the role. So in a sense, I'm as a man coming in and I'm taking control of the situation. I'm dominating the environment, not in an asshole way, but in a way that says, I've got this. Mm. Let go. I've Mm. got you. And I've run the bath. And we're locking the door to separate you from your everyday world. I wonder if some of the... um, challenges that we face in the very early part of trying to bond with babies that come about because of confusion around this element because that whole task-oriented masculine side really resonates with me and all of our, you know, feed the baby every four hours, put the baby in the cot, all that stuff is very masculine. But that very, you know, the fourth trimester in a sense is a time when we must really fall deeply into our femininity of going with the flow of the needs of the baby. And so in some ways it's really interesting to me, and I'm not saying that there's an answer, but that clash of the cultures of you know, we value masculine energy because it has this perceived control and -hmm. production and outcomes and things like that, as opposed to us protecting that purest form of feminine energy when you're in that very early postpartum period and allowing that to ebb and flow. And maybe that's also some of the reasons why we have some of this attention that plays out in new couples because the father is going well, my role, you know, I naturally fall into these masculine roles of provider and structure and et cetera. And just, yeah, anyway. And then the, the woman's also in their masculine, right? So you don't have that polarity between the two. Yeah. Traditionally, this is why we, for us, we're very connected to the traditions, the the, the Taoism, the Tantra, the uh, shamanism, all mm. these types of traditions because there's thousands of years of studying us of really observing us and what we're looking at is a really small period that we go, no, women should be able to do this and go back to work and do all that, which great, should do whatever you want to do. But in traditional Chinese medicine, there's a thing called doing the month and you see this in all the traditional cultures where 30 for a month, yeah, Mm -hmm. after the baby is born, the family comes around and holds space. Mm -hmm. And as a woman, you rebuild in 
Chinese medicine, we say you're depleted of qi and blood, of energy yeah. and blood because mm-hmm. of the whole process of giving birth. Mm-hmm. And during that month, your process is to sit with the baby and feed the baby and the family comes around and does everything for you. Yep. Now, we know in the West that doesn't always work because you may not want your mother and father-in-law hanging around with you all <laughs> the time. But the concept does that you are held And for men, I often recommend really step up into that role for 30 days if you can where Mm. you really Mm. hold your partner because it allows her, yes, to bond, to build her energy and have a a much better outcome rather than jumping in and just depleting yourself. It is more of a feminine, a yin state. Mm where you drop into the nurturing aspect. And there is a culture that says, not get on with it, get your body back and do all that. Yeah, It's a false economy Mm. because Mm. you're depleting yourself and it takes a lot, lot longer to really get that back. And in relationship, I think, you know, it's role theory as well with the polarity of the masculine and the feminine. If you're feeling like you're both in the masculine, we'll try it out. Drop into your feminine. It, you know, or if he's in the feminine and you, he's just fluffing around and having a great time and you're tasking and doing everything, then drop into your feminine and watch him change or her change. Uh, he'll pick up or she'll pick up the role of the opposite to what you do. Mm-hmm. So if you want to outsmart, you know, if you're your partner's on the couch and they're really in the masculine, they're watching TV and they're just zoning out, jump on the couch yourself and sit down and zone out even more than him, get more slouchy, get more, you know, on the couch blissing out and then all of a sudden he'll probably just start to go, okay, what's there to do? Where are we going, you know? So you can kind of, it's not manipulation, but you can change that polarity by checking in with yourself and going, yeah, you're really not turning me on. Ah, he's in the feminine, right, I'm going to drop out of the masculine or vice versa. versa. This is why we love to work with shamanistic ideas because the the concept, the traditional concept of the shaman is the one that could become the eagle, the traditional uh, American Indian that could become the eagle Mm. and shapeshift into that. Now, we use those concepts to shapeshift into the role that you needed. Role theory says in a family... Mm. There's only one funny kid. Yeah. And if you are if you want to be the funny kid in the one family, yeah, all that, if you want that, one you've almost got to kid. fight to the death Yes, yes. to pick up that role. So role theory says pick up the role stronger than them. They're mm. an ally mm. worth fighting with for that role that you want. Yeah. And so, yeah, like you said, like really drop into that role. Mm. Play with it mm. and see if How he's taking too much of that. relationship. Because polarity, relationships get exciting when there's polarity, when there's too much sameness. Now, there is so much sameness that is important because we all need to make decisions. Where are we going? What are we doing? That's all important. Mm. But you also need polarity because polarity is where that charge gets created, where it gets interesting and exciting. And that's what happens when we first meet. That's the honeymoon because it's like, who the hell are you? Yes, You're so interesting to totally me. Totally, finding out. And then a little while after that, who the hell are you? You're so boring to me. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's so interesting because so much of this conversation is almost just like redefining how we think about long-term relationships and sex and knowing that there is hope. And it's we've been talking a lot about coming back together after you've had a baby. So maybe you've gone through a period of not having sex either during pregnancy or post-birth and then you get that six-week check, you're ready to go. 
but a lot of women are saying, actually, I don't want to, or I'm not ready to, or, you know, I worry that maybe he doesn't feel attracted to me anymore, um, or it's it's just gone boring. And I think that there's so much to be said about rediscovering one another and communicating, okay, that's what we used to like. Maybe we still like some of that, or actually maybe we've got new interests and, you know, let's dive in and figure it out together and getting constantly, being able to constantly reinvent your relationship and what sex looks like for you is, it's an exciting opportunity, right? Really exciting. And I think as a woman, remember, you're the goddess that is irresistible to a man. It's just so true when you really know that. And something for a man, man, if his libido is down, non-ejaculation practice is one of the most easy powerful things he can do to fire it for a man it's really for most men sometimes there's other issues but generally Mm. if he if he does 30 day abstaining from ejaculation he'll be on fire he'll want to ravish you so that's something it's a really big it's a challenging difficult thing to do Mm. um for him if he is you know maybe for him it's going seven days without ejaculation but it's something people can explore and look up if their man Mm. isn't feeling hot in the relationship it's a way for men as Mm. we were talking before Mm. how women can stoke the yang the fire in their in their libido yeah it's the quickest way for a man to stoke the fire of his libido and a lot of the coaching that um i've been doing with women around body image and it's actually that the the partner doesn't even see it. They see the goddess, you know. So the woman is worried about the boobs, a bit funny, or the flabby tummy, or the cellulite, or whatever. A lot of the time, when you're discussing this with the partner, they don't even see that. They're just like, "What? You're hot. I love that about you. Your body has changed." So, it also can be your own inner critic that's blocking you from being that sexual being. So, find who's talking in your head around if you do have that sort of body image stuff what's blocking you from actually being that sexy voluptuous woman who has changed Mm. inner critic work is really important Mm. fighting up against the critic the part in you that puts you down and doesn't allow you to really accept love Mm. deeply Mm. you know love from self yeah it's important So what about women? We often talk about the fact that we're feeling touched out, breastfeeding kills our libido. What about women who are listening and going, I'm just really not that interested in sex at the moment and maybe their partner is. What are some tangible things that they can do to, you know, stoke that fire? Mm, Firstly, good for them. Like really firstly honour that. Like sometimes we we all push ourselves into things that aren't that you don't want to do. That you don't Mm. want to do. So just resentment. Yeah. (laughs) So just having a moment of really honoring that, that this is a time in life where you are consumed. Yeah. And so doing some of the practice that that you were talking about, where that helps to really stoke that having time out where you're not consumed yes is on a regular basis it doesn't have to be for a long time but you know like i was talking it's either a monday night or a thursday morning you get time to just be you um and it's it, just that small amount of time can really help and what does stoke your fire yeah. what does bring the fire to you to your mm. life mm. you know and the amazing thing about parenthood is we go from 
a little bit, we were all a little bit like, what do I want? What do I get? To being absolutely flipped into what does this little being need? Yeah. This sense of love, of mm. giving. And mm. that's super important. And we need, that needs to happen. Yeah. But also we have to come back a little bit to what is it I need? Just giving out. We know empties the cup and it's not a great, it's a great short-term strategy. Yeah. It's not a great. It. Mm. Well, I know. We've tried yeah. it. Totally. It's not a great long <laughs> Exactly. You've got to have time for yourself and you've got to try and put yourself up the top, then your husband, then your kids, then your career. Um, That's a biggie that I've learned over the time. And just saying that, like, people flip out when you say that. It's like, of course, when kids are really small, they need so much of you. Yeah, totally. But at a certain point, they need so much of you, meaning you have to put yourself on top of the pyramid yeah. so you Can are give. full. That's mm. the greatest gift we have to our kids rather than completely depleting ourselves. Yeah. Oh, I'm full. Mm. So this is this is who you get rather than putting yourself down the bottom. Yeah, totally. Mm. Amazing. So <laughs> I'm trying to work out where to go to from here because actually this conversation has centred a lot around um, that tension that occurs as we shift in different cycles. And I guess particularly new parents is a time when they, people are growing and that has the potential to grow in different directions. One of the things that I've um, I've had reflected on in the past as well is that particularly now because it's really common that we want our partners in the birth suite with us or even in home birth. So they're watching your body go through what they perceive as a, as an extreme physical trauma. And then you are uh, going back and and wanting to then engage in this intimacy. And you also had the benefit, hopefully, of some of the positive hormones of giving birth, but they didn't. And so there's this idea about um, the view of the process of giving birth and what that does to your body. And Mm -hmm. so I guess in terms of communication, um, do you find that sometimes you have to address that with couples in terms of their experience of the relationship to the body to birth before couples can then, because unfortunately our intimacy is very connected to our bodies, even though we know that, you know, the the largest sexual organ in in our bodies is our brain, we often fall into our bodies and our relationship with our bodies. Mm. I think as being someone who has been in, been part of the labour process three times, Mm -hmm. for me it took me deeper into love, into awe, into extraordinariness of this process. Mm-hmm. It was an exhausting process. I know that's ridiculous for me to say. <laughs> I remember at one point I joked to you on our last one, I said, I think this is it for us. I don't know if I can do this again. <laughs> it was a joke. It was a joke. No, but we hear that from men all the time, that we get to the end of the birth and, and us as women are like, wow, that was amazing. And they're like, I feel terrible. I want to puke. You yes. know, like there's this different type of energy. Because they don't have that same hormone surge, right? But what was it like for you, Tabitha? I'd be super curious to hear about your birth and, well, three of them, yes. what those experiences were like for you and how that uh, enhanced your intimacy almost. Yeah, I think, well, it really did get in touch with my vagina. Like, you know, it changed. It was, <laughs> but Brad along the whole way is just, I mean, he's always in awe of 
of vagina, my vagina, you know. <laughs> and so my body, no matter I met, I was, when we first met, I was 80 kilograms um, and a bit, and he loved me. He saw my essence. He, whatever my body shape goes, Bradley is just there and loving it. Um, and I'm sure with most men that is the case as well. So, but, yeah, my vagina has changed after three births. But Bradley loves it and I've come to love it too. And I think Tantra really helped. I did an amazing womb journey um, uh, workshop and it was all about loving your vagina and where it is and feeling it and knowing it and that all vaginas are so different and how they change. And um, so... For me, I think with you and I, it has been an involvement, but I've always just kind of worked on loving my body in whatever stage it is at. And sometimes that's been really hard, you know. My boobs are different shape, they're smaller, they get bigger, like my body has changed. But I think it's just so important to love that whole journey along the way and get help along the way with that. And I want to say about the the genital organs, the vagina and the penis, these are organs that yeah. are almost not of this world. Mm. And I know for myself, I used to shame. There was a part of me that was like, oh, they're a bit ugly. And you hear all that. We yes. all speak like they're a bit ugly. Yes. No, yes. they're not. They're extraordinary. They're just not of this world. Yeah. They're like, that's they what freaks us out. Freaks us out. <laughs> they're weird and strange. I love yeah. that. So yes. we need to connect more to our own weirdness and strangeness and find out, oh, yes. this is also a part of me. This is a part of me that's a little more un known mm. and start mm. to really love our sexual organs this part of our body that yeah. we spent so much time being hidden yeah, yeah. and, and there's a, you know shame there's a lot of shame around our sexual organs from growing up with children you know so if you've had anything sexual abuse or anything like that it's really important to go and get some work on that because that can free you up big time in relationship but also in your sexuality and and life yeah, I've I've really worked on this with, with many, like actually women who have struggled with how they perceive that they look, and it's actually yeah. there's a way of really radically changing that, changing the way you you visualize your own. Thanks for body joining us yeah. for today's and starting to love it. It's like if you want to hear more like I don't this, know, don't just, forget to hit you're subscribe. Gorgeous. It's amazing. So it's not hard. <laughs> it's like if you'd see like to the know goddess. more about anything yes. we talked about and or you heard on the podcast today, I don't know. Check it's out just, our website. It is. It's like and we need to see that about ourselves as well. And you can find us on Instagram at Matrescence. It is a practice. All this stuff we're talking about. So often we want. Oh, what's the one thing? Yeah. And like there's there's actually one things that we can give you that it's like okay that makes a change. This episode, but it will not hold because it has to be a practice because as one person grows the other person it's like podcast. it's not going to stay it's this like really we meet each other and this is great but you yeah. have to sure keep growing you have to keep growing yeah. as always Love thank it. you for spending your time with yeah, us we hope perfect. you will tune in I'm curious to know I guess to almost wrap up a little bit what's next for you guys in terms of your children are growing up slowly you stood a little while to go but you're coming up for air almost in terms of the intensity of that early parenting journey and and I imagine very in the deep of the the teenage parenting journey but what's next for you guys in terms of business and love and how is this season looking for you? Mm, I love this season. Um, <laughs> the reason I love this, we're, we're moving into the second half of life, which is Jung's concept of the first half is about 
you know, raising kids and building houses and make, being successful and all good stuff. Yeah. Second half is what am I really here to do? Mm-hmm. And we do a thing called your life myth, knowing why the hell you're actually really, what you're really here to do, who you're really here to be. Yeah. At your death, did I do it? Did mm-hmm. I do what I'm really here to do? And that's mm-hmm. calling us. For me, what's more important is that I do the work that I'm really here to do. And that is this fundamentally what we're doing now, talking to people, communicating, working with people, doing workshops, all this sort of stuff that really connects us because you're called to something. It's in the background. And when you really meet that, Mm. something radically happens. Yeah. So I think in our life it's it's coming more and more forward. I'm yeah. not as interested in just, you know, when you're 20 you just do stuff because mm. it's going to make me successful and I'm going to mm. be this. Mm. And, again, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. And it's a process and it's a part of the journey. But at yeah. some point mm. it's like I need to make sure I'm aligned. Otherwise I need a part of heart. Yeah. Otherwise, I feel myself withering away, yeah. and life becomes hopeless and yeah. boring. And with teenagers, I think I love that. Mm. Um, with teenagers, for me and little, and for you as well, but mm-hmm. mostly me, it's been letting go of overmothering. That's been a huge journey that I've sort of been through the last three or four years, really. Um, but it's kind of exciting now. I'm like going, oh, yeah, they're big people now. They're coming into adulthood. I don't have to do so much. You know, I've got the little 10-year-old and that's fun because he's he still loves me and doesn't grunt and he howls <laughs> again, you know. I'm his world. So I've still got a bit of that where my other two big boys, they're, our big boys, they're, they're off and they've got girlfriends and they've got a life to lead and, that, but that has been a challenge to actually drop that overmothering. You know, I don't have to go, have you got your hat? Have you got your water bottle? It's like, no, mum, back off. And they've been very good at Make your own mistakes. Yeah. And so with that extra time, it's been like, okay, what does Tabitha want to do? And I'm right into my pottery and, and, and doing things that make and bring joy for me. And I've been slowing down, which has been, I've got that bigger time spans of time where I can go, oh, okay, I can just sit and be in nature and meditate. I can do things just for me. And that's a really exciting journey. And with work, you know, I'm doing more coaching, which is really fun as well. And our Mm. podcast and we're doing online courses. So that's sort of where we're heading to do more mentorship with relationship. That's what's Mm. coming next year is we want to work with couples to actually what we've talked about today to give them some really good structure and guidance of how to have a relationship that will go on for many years and tantalize Mm. them every step of the way and get better than the honeymoon yeah mm-hmm. we're way better than the honeymoon <laughs> yeah we've just really touched the surface on so many concepts today but you have well over 100 episodes i think now of your podcast so if, yeah if anyone wants to go deep on any of them it's definitely worth having a listening to a listen to yeah and if you've got a, um, a couple who's really interested in unfolding their myth, our understanding what love relationship is just so good mm. for you both to sit down. It's a fun thing to do together and it just brings so much love and juice back mm. to the relationship. Mm. Oh, that's awesome. And I really love ending on that positive note of just that reinforcement that it it's absolutely po- not just possible but almost a, 
a right to want it to be better and to be really committed to that together and Mm -hmm. to grow um, through that process. And we will make sure to put the links in the show notes of where to find you for those people who resonate and want to go on that journey with you as part of their guides. Amazing. Thanks Thanks so much. It's been awesome. So good to hang out with you. Yeah. Yeah, thank you so much. We'll just cut and edit after that. So yeah, that's great. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That was so much fun. Yeah, thank you. I I almost just like have this feeling of like excitement, like, oh, I'm more excited about life and love. And it's just like rejuvenating talking to you both. So it's been really lovely. Good. Awesome. Made my day. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it was so funny. I was thinking of something in there which um I thought to myself before I share it, I probably should have asked the permission of my husband. But I was I remember there was we were talking about that when you were talking about that who's full and who's empty. I can remember once like just saying to to Anne, I was like, What do you think about when we have sex? And he's like, Having nothing. Having having sex. sex. Yes. <laughs> he's empty. Totally. And I'm like, uh-huh. he's like, what do you think about? And I'm like, you probably don't want to know because it's like totally. it's kind of messy in there and it's like. <laughs> oh, I left wet washing in the machine. Yeah. No, no, come back yeah. to the moment. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly. See, but there's a practice for yourself to do, isn't it? How do I take myself away from this amazing sexual mm. encounter and intimacy? Mm. Why, what, you know, defaults do I go away? I've got to bring myself back and really feel and be within that heart energy so it's a great like we always say sex is meditation you know after 15 years i've got him a bit trained now he's like so how long do you need to make the switch this time honey i'm like Uh, uh, 15 minutes he's all right all right i'll leave you alone off you go you go (laughs) he's a wise man love it love it yeah oh well thank you so much i'm definitely my husband does not listen to any of our podcasts but i'm going to make him listen to this one because i think he's so going to connect with it um it's definitely one for the men and the women which is exciting yeah some of our audience are getting to that point where they're like right so now i just have to get them in the car for an hour-long trip and then we can just press yeah (laughs) yeah totally (laughs) oh well thank you very much enjoy the rest of your day amazing great to connect to both of you yeah Thanks for joining us for today's conversation. If you want to hear more like this, don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode. If you'd like to know more about anything we talked about or you heard on the podcast today, check out our website, www.birthofamother.com.au. You can find us on Instagram at matrescence.podcast or send us an email to info at birthofamother.com.au. If you think others could benefit from this podcast, take a screenshot of you listening to this episode to post on your social media and tag us. Alternatively, consider leaving a review with your favourite things about the Matrescence podcast. This really helps us to increase our visibility and ensure we are reaching as many women as possible. As always, thank you for spending your time with us. We hope you will tune in next time.